We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2021 Fantasy Football Rankings for the AFC West. We've already been through the NFC West. We've been through the AFC East and the NFC East. Plus, we've broken down the Julio Jones trade and its impact on both Tennessee and Atlanta for the upcoming season. You want to find any of those shows? You can subscribe to Mayo Media Network or just hit the description. They're all down there one click away if you want to go back and watch all of those shows. You want to listen to them? You can find them on the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast, where if you're watching this early enough, if you leave a review telling me why you should be in the Scott Fish Bowl this year, I got some spots to give away. So actually, if you go to my Twitter, at the PME, you can find the entire giveaway contest up there for the seats I have available. But if you rate and review five stars and explain why you should be in the Scott Fish Bowl on Apple Podcasts and leave your Twitter handle or some way for me to identify you and you have a very compelling case, you might gain a free spot in to the Scott Fishbowl, if that's something that you're into. Some big announcements with fantasy football coming your way very, very soon. But until then, I got Jake Seeley from TheAthletic.com. And I'm going to throw this out to you first of anyone. I want you to smash the like button for the episode. In the comment section, Jake, I want you to tell me where Javante Williams will finish. Running back blank for the season. I will say he will finish as RB16. That's pretty good mostly because I wrote this after the draft and I, I have continued to say this and not, this isn't a victory lap because I'm about to poo poo him at the same time um, is that I said that Javante Williams is very similar to Miles Sanders rookie season, whereby week six or seven, he's the lead option. And so you factor that in with a lesser start to begin with, because he's not going to be a top end RB two to start the year, but he finishes as such because he is more talented than Melvin Gordon. Obviously he could bust and not prove that in the NFL, but if we're talking about on paper and evaluation, uh, but I expected that to be the case. These recent reports and rumors that Melvin Gordon is not at camp and he's frustrated. He was already frustrated before they drafted him and that Williams is out there and impressing and all that type of stuff. We're not looking potentially that he's starting week one. And if he was starting week one, I'd even say higher. Uh, but, you know, I, I kind of compare it to Jonathan Taylor. Like Jonathan Taylor last year wasn't going to be top five, top 10 until Marlon Mack got hurt in week one. Marlon Mack was still going to be a factor for a few weeks, and they started the season as such. So that's where I say 
I wouldn't draft him as RB 16. I'd still draft him around the RB 20s, uh, but I could easily see him outperforming that ADP if that's still where it's hovering right now. I mean, I just wanted a number. We were going to break him down when we got to the Broncos. Oh, sorry. But thank you. Thank you for your – that's a very <laughs> – put it this way. In the comment section, you just got to leave a number. You don't need an in-depth breakdown <laughs> like Jake provided. But thank you for that. Well, you you said that's pretty good, so I wanted to add context. I'm sorry. I realized. Hey, we're going to get there. We're going through player by player on each of these teams. <laughs> RB16, we'll, we'll talk about it later. Perfect. Kansas City Chiefs, first up in the division. They are, shockingly enough, the Super Bowl favorites. Over, under 12 and a half wins, minus 1,000 to make the playoffs at DraftKings Sportsbook, which means you would have to bet $1,000 to win 100 on the Chiefs making the playoffs. <laughs> 335 minus to win the division, plus 250 to win the AFC, 5 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Let's start with Mahomes. He is being drafted as the number one overall quarterback, but his ADP just keeps rising and rising. Now, I don't know where this is coming from. Is it coming from a lot of casual people doing drafts? Because that's generally where you see quarterbacks go higher in one quarterback leagues. Obviously, in super flex and in two quarterback leagues, you can throw that out the window. But I'm just seeing the average ADP right now is, where, where are you at, Patrick Mahomes? 13th overall, Jake. At the turn in round one is where Patrick Mahomes is going on average. It's just too high. It's way too high. Uh, and it's not just way too high because of the quarterback discussion we can have every single year. Uh, I just did a draft last night for the football diehards, uh, Bob Harris and them over there last night, where he went, I think, kind of more. It's industry league, so you got to depress the values at quarterback because of how we draft. But he's still, I, I want to believe he made it into the second round. If not, he was one of the first picks in the third round. And then you look at the biggest issue is why I bring that draft up is because in the sixth round, that's when Josh Allen came off the board. That's when Dak Prescott and Lamar Jackson came off the board. Actually, one of them was in the seventh round because I took Dak in the seventh. Uh, when you have that, these guys who are on his heels in a points per game basis, yes, Patrick Mahomes is the guy who can break everything, but He's still, even if he does, it's not going to be such an enormous difference of four to five rounds with what you also have to sacrifice at running back, wide receiver, or even tight end, because that's about the spot where Travis Kelsey goes as well. So what you're giving up, I mean, yes, Patrick Mahomes could lap the field, but he would have to lap the field to be that value. So way too expensive for me. And that's what I'm seeing right now. I'm just looking at my baseline season-long projections I have Patrick Mahomes as the highest scoring player. I mean, there's a reason he's QB1. It's just the value attached to it at 408 points. Lamar Jackson actually comes in at number two in my projections at 395 points. There is essentially a four to five round difference between drafting these guys in your league. And there is a 12 point difference between them in overall fantasy scoring for the year. It doesn't really <laughs> add up for where I want to be taking my quarterbacks. No, it doesn't. And you could even look at last year and say, well, what if Lamar Jackson does exactly what he did last year? Well, then that's still worth the four round difference in discount that you're getting. And probably not even that. It's probably only worth a two, two and a half round difference if you're talking about that, because I would think most everyone would agree that Lamar Jackson's floor is last year. And so the, the upside is there. But again, it's not just Lamar Jackson. You know, you just bring that up because he's second in your projections. It's Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, and Dak Prescott, too. All of these quarterbacks, it's a tier. We You and I, we talk about this all the time as tiers. All five of them are in the same group, at least in my opinion. I think all five of them are 
capable of finishing as QB1 or QB5. But guess what? The difference, as you just mentioned, might not even be a point per game, per week. I even look down to as far as Russell Wilson. I have Russell Wilson projected for 35 fewer fantasy points over 17 games than Patrick Mahomes. That's two points per game, which is pretty substantial. But what you need to do is weight the opportunity cost of where these guys are going. So if you take Mahomes with the first pick of round two and give up a running back, and then you take Russell Wilson in round eight or nine or wherever the hell he's going in your draft, let's just say that. Is the difference between running backs of that time really what you (laughs) want to be doing? Is that going to be two points per game? Like that? That's the, right now the difference between, shit, who is, who, who's the running back going directly at the turn? I want to make sure I get the, the proper name right. It the is, first round turn? It, it is either Cam Akers or Austin Eckler at the moment as we record this. I would expect Cam Akers to go higher than that. But let's just say it's Austin Eckler in a even a half-point PPR league. That is the difference between Austin Eckler and David Johnson. David Johnson? Oh, look at that. I'm <laughs> good. I'm good. And I would uh, I would imagine that, yeah. and just based on everything that we know, if everyone stays healthy, all things being equal, that Eckler is going to score more than two points per game more than David Johnson will. 100%. You just could say, David Johnson and Patrick Mahomes, or let's take the low, who's who's the lowest? Oh, you just said Russell. Russell, would you rather have David Johnson and Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson and Austin Eckler? Nobody in their right mind is going to say, oh, yeah, g- give me Patrick Mahomes with David Johnson, because you're also including the picks that you're making in between there as well. Uh, and this even kind of folds into the conversation you and I have every single year is that we kind of sit on different sides of the Travis Kelsey. Not as much as people might think for me is, like I said, I can see doing it. I'm just not the person that has ever done it. But the difference is, is even if you're on my side more than your side of Travis Kelsey is like, ah, I just can't pull that trigger. The difference is you're getting about three or four points per game with Travis Kelsey over the leg up. So that's why he's in that conversation of being that first rounder. And you can make the case of it because this is such an enormous leg up on anybody else, the tight end position that 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 makes it warranted. This is not that kind of a gap. What are we looking at for running backs in the Chiefs' backfield? Obviously, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is now going into season number two. Not quite going in the first round anymore. In fact, he's going at the 3-4 <laughs> turn in fantasy drafts. Based on his production from last year, and let's say he gets a little bit better, mind you. This is a perfect running back to be, or perfect offense to be a running back in. He just didn't get to utilize all those skills, and he just wasn't as good. Uh, and didn't fit quite as much as we thought that he was going to a year ago. That does seem like the perfect place to buy a running back who has dropped three rounds worth of value in one season, despite the fact that he is still their starter. A hundred percent. And we'll be honest about it. You and I talked about it. I know a lot of people did. It was other podcasts as well. You had other guests probably said the same thing. It's Clyde Edwards-Alaire when he started reaching the middle of the first round. It was just getting insane. It was just getting out of control because Damian Williams opted out. It's like, oh my God, it's the Chiefs offense. Who the hell cares? Well, it still goes back to let's talk about before Damian Williams. And we expected Edwards-Alaire to be the guy, but we all expected Edwards-Alaire to be the guy on 14 to 16 to 17 touches per week. And that's the Austin Eckler appeal. That's to go back in the days outside of, I think, maybe two seasons where Jamal Charles sat for a lot of his career, is these guys can do more than most because of their offense and their talent and how they fit, but it's still that capped number of touches. So you put that into context and you say, all right, that's worth an early second round pick. Well, two things here is before they brought in Le'Veon Bell, he was actually, Edwards Lair was actually providing top 15 running back value. The Le'Veon Bell situation changed everything. 
obviously we have Daryl Williams, who probably still plays a part this year, but now you're not paying that price. And honestly, going into this year, I'd be okay paying top 15-ish value for Edward Solaire because that's a reasonable price. That should be the outcome expected. And now you have a ceiling to get even better return on value. So I'd take him in the third. Uh, I could even see him pushing up to the like the top end of the third around this two, three turn. Uh, right now in the fourth, I would take him a thousand times at a thousand. Every single time I see him in the fourth round because it's that... It's what we talk about every single year. It's the, the, the disappointment. It's the perception. It's last year's trash. It's when people don't live up to expectations. They don't want to draft the player again because they got burned. Daryl Williams is being drafted as running back number 70 right now. I don't hate that either. That's what I actually like that a lot. That's way too low. Just if nothing else, if Edwards Alaire misses time, which he did last year, uh, Daryl Williams could be a top 20 running back easily. So, okay, let's move to wide receiver. Obviously, Tyreek Hill is going in the first round or you know, at worst at the very beginning of the second round. You can't really say anything against it. That's how good he is. What about the rest of the guys, though? No Sammy Watkins anymore. So you have Mecole, hard man, the heir to the chip fortune, and Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson, who loves catching the first touchdown of the game and then doing nothing else for the rest of the game. What are we doing with the rest of these guys? Is it just Hill and no one? Because everyone will talk, th- <laughs> someone in your league will talk themselves into hard and be like, he's the fastest man on the planet. You know, they're going to finally <laughs> unleash him this year. It seemed like whenever Watkins missed time last year, Pringle was actually the one who was playing. There you go. Well, it's because who replaces Watkins? Pringle does. The biggest issue to Harbin is to go back to whether you want to believe reports or this, that, and other, because all rumors, nobody knows exactly what the Chiefs office was thinking outside of the Chiefs. But at that time, when they drafted Michael Hartman and the other people that were on the draft board receiver-wise, the people always bring up DK Metcalf, but they were doing that because at that time, there was uncertainty around Tyreek Hill. Hartman is a very similar wide receiver to Tyreek Hill. If Hill misses time, I could see value for Hartman. But if you're talking about what this offense needs and how do you replicate what they've been doing, you're looking for the Watkins replacement, and Pringle is a very similar wide receiver to Watkins. And I think that Hartman's excitement, because they see no Sammy Watkins, is still getting a little overblown because they think of the excitement, what Hill brings on a per-catch basis. So I'm with you. And there's already been... We never like to buy into reports this early into the offseason, but there's been positive talk about what Pringle has been doing out there and that Holmes is looking his way because he's filling that Sammy Watkins role. So if anything, the cost of Hardman and then the non-cost because he's free right now of Pringle, I'm I'm just taking Pringle and ignoring Hardman. Yeah, essentially outside of Tyreek Hill, you can just not own any other Chiefs wide receivers. It might be worth it for the upside that could come along with them, but based on the results that we've seen, it's been Hill and it's been no one for like the past three years. Like you can own Watkins, that's fine. Then if you didn't play him in that one week when he scored 500 fantasy points, he was probably pretty crappy. And that's and that's kind of what I was going to come back to is like it might just be one of these you want to try and find somebody, but the end result might just be it's Hill, Kelsey, and then the backfield and nothing like we're just chasing our own tails because you you made the joke about Demarcus Robinson, but I mean Demarcus Robinson can come out week one, a hundred yards and a touchdown and actually show up the entire game and then disappear for four weeks and then you go and pick up Robinson, he doesn't produce, you drop him and then Pringle pops up, you pick him up and then it's not him and it's Hardman for two games and you're just constantly chasing your tail trying to figure out who it is. Travis Kelsey is obviously tight end number one as he has been for the past four seasons. He's going to pick number nine right now on average which is right around the pat mayo range of where i've been taking him for the past few years so people are finally catching up to me jake (laughs) they're finally jumping on your kelsey bandwagon look again 
I've just said it before when I was saying that I'm not the person to do it because, you know, I, I think that what you lose at running back and wide receiver is offset. It, and the point being is it has to like Kelsey has to be wire or first round value or you've got yeah, but, double. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, but, yeah, but I, I don't like that argument that he has to be first round value. Anyone you take in the first round has to be first round value or your team's not going to be any good. No, no, no. The difference is sure. But the difference is because you're taking a position compared to what you're sacrificing, especially at running back. We're talking about the difference in points per game. And so, like I said, that's why Kelsey can put up three more points per game. But if it's only half, if it's only one, and that's why I said that because the down year of Kelsey was still great. He's still the number one tight end. But it wasn't that gap over the next three or four tight ends that made your double cost kind of come into play. So that's why I say it. I agree with you. You can say it about a wide receiver. You can say it about a running back. But the difference being is that when you lose that, even if he plays 16 games and doesn't get hurt, but only puts up one more point per game than Waller and Kittle and potentially Pitts and Andrews and all that type of stuff. Now you don't get that advantage of what you were trying to pay for. That's that's why you you're not wrong to take him. I'm just saying that's why I don't ever take him. So the way that I like to look at it is we do. I mean, Darren Waller, notwithstanding, like he had an excellent year last year. We project him to have a really good year this year. I haven't projected to be tight end number two uh, in as the simulations have run themselves out. That's where he ends up ahead of Mark Andrews and George Kittle in terms of overall fantasy points by like two. Uh, all those three guys are really clumped together for me. And then Kelsey stands way above. So right now I have Kelsey projected to score 3.6 points per game over those three guys. But those three guys, I project to be pretty good. There's probably going to be a Kyle Pitts who jumps into that or someone we don't even think of that just has a really good year at tight end. I just don't know who those guys are going to be. I know Travis Kelsey, when running right, is the best. And if he can score almost four points per game more than two, three, and four, just think about what he is. So, I mean, that's, that's one third of your league. What happens to the other two thirds of your league? You're outscoring those guys by like six, seven points a game all at one position. And just the drop off isn't that dramatic at any other spot on the field. That's my case for Travis Kelsey, and hence why it's also my case when I talk to you, and you can't really do it this year because Kelsey was slipping towards like the middle to the end of the second round a year ago that you could do the Kelsey-Kittle, and it didn't work out because Kittle got hurt, but if you wanted to go Kelsey at the like end of the first or wherever the hell like Waller is going, like first and third, Kelsey and Waller, and monopolize that position, you just create such a gap between you and your league. It's not a straight, narrow path to winning your fantasy football championship, but it's one of those decisions that if you get it right, you're probably going to win. Sure. And what I'll, my, what I'll push back on is you have two years where Kelsey has done that in the last four, but you also have two years where he was right around 12 and a half, 13 points per game. Uh, one of those years, he was 0.1 ahead of number two tight end and not even that far ahead of the three and four tight ends. But it comes down to you can make that a same argument about last year's running backs to say Aaron Jones at the back half of the first round was putting up three more fantasy points per game than whoever was in the second round of running backs. And that'd be true. Nick Chubb was as well. So again, you're not wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong either. It's just when it comes down to it, if that gap is true, I would draft Kelsey at the end of the first round. I'm just worried that if it's the other two years where the gap is 0.1 or he was actually second place in points per game the one year that that's the concern you have is now you spent 
zero difference on a tight end position with what you sacrifice at running back. So that that's all it is. If if you believe, if you want to say, I guarantee you Kelsey's going to out, outscore everybody else at the tight end position by three points per game, even two and a half points per game, I'm with you. Take him at the end of the first round. Again, I don't think it's just everyone because I think that the replacement level at running back, you can find a running back. You don't always find the running back, but guys pop up throughout the year. It's just at tight end, although it is only one allocated spot on your roster, everyone has to play one. And it's not like you're just going to randomly pick up a guy who Travis who challenges Travis Kelsey as the number one tight end off the waiver wire where you can patch weeks together with running backs that way. And especially at receiver, you can find guys. That's fair. Like I said, we we do this every single year, and I'm not saying you're wrong to do it. It's just why I don't. That's because you're a chicken. You're like Michael Johnson when he (laughs) took on Donovan Bailey in that 150-meter sprint. You're a chicken. That's what you are. Is is that what it is? (laughs) Yeah. I'll take all my championships. Okay. I mean, hey, I'll be the Donovan Bailey. I'll be the one who sets the world record. I'm playing for first year. Yeah, I mean, that's also the, I mean, uh, the difference between how my fantasy strategy goes versus other people's where, I mean, I, I am smart enough to know that I am not going to win a fantasy, like my fantasy league every single year. What I try to do is put myself in the optimal position that if I get this year right, that I am going to win and it loses more often than it wins. But if you can win once every four years, you're doing way better than everyone else. And that's sort of the approach that I try to take to it. I'm not trying to like play for fourth and be the fourth best team. I kind of want to be the best team or the worst team. Always. If you're not first, you're last, but I also have a lot of championships to prove for it. So do you like that's It can work. Let's make one thing clear. Any strategy can work. I mean, that, that's really what it comes down to. Like we can, I don't know how you feel, but I mean, we could, this seems to be a debate. I don't know why it's resurrected this year, but the zero RB, I think it's ignorant to be zero RB, but if you're the only person in your league doing it, and that's what the key is with that, in my opinion, if you're the only person doing it, guess what? It can work and it might even work and get you a championship. Like a lot of strategies can work. Yeah. I, I think that the, the best overall method for like a floor in your league, and I, I, don't really go by this, but it depends on what pick you get. If you get one of like the optimal running backs with your first five picks, you take one of them. And then you probably don't even need to take any for like the next 10 rounds. If you don't want to build yourself a super <laughs> team, but if someone of value, but if someone of value drops to you and they happen to be a running back, I'm not opposed to taking them. Like I'm probably far more pro zero RB than you, just because I think that people gobble up running backs so quickly that it just presents so much value at every other position. And I do things like take Travis Kelsey in the first round and just, different weird things like that going down the list. I'm not afraid to double up with another elite tight end and play them as my flex just to box out people from that position in my league. Because then all of a sudden, if Darren Waller is the guy who is the one who challenges Travis Kelsey, well, no big deal. I got them both. Yeah. And, and you know, all these things can work. No, that's why I said it while you were talking was the bell cow. That's what I say. Bell cow running back. Get me one guy I know whose floor should be about 10 or 12 fantasy points per week because I say bell cow for fantasy because Austin Eckler's not a real life bell cow, but for fantasy, he's a bell cow. There's like kind of that difference there. So maybe we need even a different term. Um, but that, that's where it is. I, I have done the Kelsey thing just because I've at, been at the 11th pick and enough running backs have gone off the board. Tyreek Hill is gone. We still don't know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. And I don't really want to take that next tier of wide receivers because I know they'll be there in round two or even the running backs that the tier we've now dove into already because how the draft draft is gone, that it's the same. It's the same as who's at 11 that there's going to be at the second pick in the second round. So I've done the Kelsey thing. I just, I don't like it as much. And to come back to it, any strategy can work if you know what you're doing, honestly. 
The Los Angeles Chargers are up next for this. Justin Ebert, the reigning <laughs> offensive rookie of the year, returns. Their over-under is nine on the dot to make the playoffs, plus 137. You didn't favorite. ask me again. I, I'm not asking. I'm just trying to run through this now. To win the division. You've okay. had time to go look these up, and I know that you have. Win the division. To beat the I Chiefs legitimately haven't. Would be 6-1. to one. To win the conference, 16-1. to one. And to win the Super Bowl, 33-1. to One, one of the most popular bets on DraftKings Sportsbet, uh, DraftKings Sportsbook for future wagers on the NFL so far this season is the Los Angeles Chargers to win the Super Bowl at 33-1 to 1 at the moment. I know that when we get into the pick show and the future show and Feinberg is on, he will tell you that is a great bet. I'm not necessarily there on it, but let's talk about Herbert and how he stacks up. Is Herbert going too high at quarterback right now versus, like, is he... We mentioned that tier earlier with the Mahomes tier, and I think it goes down to Russell Wilson. But I think that Herbert is firmly as a part of that next tier of quarterback. I say next tier, yes. If he's the next tier, the problem is is that tier is getting so close to the ne- the one above it that it's kind of pushing its heels and kind of almost not 100% moving into a com- combining the two, but it's getting close that we've almost kind of separated Mahomes, Allen, and Murray and kind of now – move the tier so to speak and they've kind of fallen into their own because the concern about Dak and Lamar have made them pull back closer to Wilson and Herbert and Aaron Rodgers with his situation all that type of stuff uh Herbert let's preface this with the fact that he surprised me last year I was too low on Herbert I was too low on Herbert because I watched three years of him in college not improving against mediocre competition. You can argue the people he's playing with but you want to see signs and what we saw from Herbert in college was that played well when the pressure wasn't on him kind of fell apart when it was and I had concerns that not only he wasn't going to be the starter which he wasn't it was Tyrod Taylor and then he got stabbed in the chest by his doctor uh, but Herbert from day one looked better than I expected I'll admit that at the same time the final few five six games started to see some flaws and it wasn't just the pressure thing that I brought up it was some of, look, defenses are starting to figure out, figure you out. They're starting to get the book on how do we make you make mistakes? Where do we trap you? Where do we disguise coverage? And they're going to make the comparison I make quite often with Jared Goff, who Emory Hunt brought up to me when it was happening. Is Jared Goff way back when, is uh, two, three years ago now, when he had the fall off and he's never really come back. He was playing exceptional until late in that season when defenses finally said, oh, Sean McVay's the genius. Let's disguise our coverage and not switch our formation, switch our coverage, switch, you know, whether or not we're blitzing, hide, mask, whatever. They did all that. They waited for the headset to click off where Jared Goff now had to make that decision on his own. I use that as an example to not say that Herbert's going to be Goff. I don't think he's that bad by any stretch of the imagination. I just think we have to understand that the last five or six games tells us that maybe we need to just be a little tentative on immediately thrusting him into this Russell Russell Wilson tier because of how good he played, that there are a lot of quarterbacks, there's a lot of players where the NFL figure you out, and then all of a sudden you're mediocre going forward. I think he's better than mediocre, but I bring all that up to say I would not take him anywhere close to Russell Wilson. And he is going one spot ahead of Russell Wilson in early fantasy drafts right now. Pick number 46 to Wilson's number 47, uh, which is still just too high for quarterbacks for me. But either way, like Lamar Jackson's (laughs) on that tier at 44. He's the fifth running back off the board. I would just take Lamar Jackson in that spot versus the other two. I think Lamar Jackson is elevated even above those two. Wilson and Herbert, I think, are somewhat close, but I definitely have Wilson ahead of Herbert. I guess the Herbert decision comes down to, do you think that he has the potential to be a top three quarterback? quarterback 
this season. Because I remember during uh, the flex draft last year, I drafted my team with that Kelsey strategy. And I didn't end up with any good running back. So essentially what I had to do was try to shoot for the most upside at every position. And it almost worked. Uh, I got boxed <laughs> out uh, with a just horrifying loss uh, in the final week of the season to miss out on the playoffs. Uh, and my team was kind of rolling at that point. It was the Kyler Murray thing. and it, Kyler Murray was my hinge pick last year. I reached on Kyler Murray because I assessed the situation. I said, you know what? If things break right for Kyler Murray this year, he is going to be the number one fantasy running back. He needs to essentially just do the... Lamar Jackson of the year before, but throw for a few more touchdowns and start to run on that consistent basis. And he was doing that until he got hurt. So it didn't quite hit that ceiling. And that's what I needed him to hit for that to come through for me. If you're going to take Herbert at this spot, you need to be able to convince yourself that he could be potentially the number one quarterback overall. And I just don't think that he's going to be. No, neither do I, because I look at him last year too. And of the, he's going to run a little bit, but what was it 200, 250 yards last year and five rushing touchdowns? And I kind of emphasized that five to say it's a lot for somebody only running 200, 250 times. Could he still do it again? Sure. I mean, Dak was, was Dak was 306 for three straight years or something like that. It could happen, but you chop off two rushing touchdowns to be reasonable expectation of somebody running that infrequently. Uh, and you say, well, now you've already lost 12 points and we know how slim the margin is at quarterback for that to happen. And now you take that away and you need to start throwing like Tom Brady did last year. And Tom Brady didn't even finish as a top five quarterback throwing it for as much as he did. Actually, in a points per game basis, Tom Brady is a low end QB one because he doesn't run. And that's what matters in fantasy. So I know we're not talking this division, but if you want to go the Kyler Murray route, we talked about it on that show. It's Jalen Hurts. That kind of, it's Jalen Hurts because you run for 800 yards and seven touchdowns. You don't even need to throw for 25 touchdowns. You just need to throw... 3,500 yards, 20 touchdowns with that rushing, and you're probably getting close to the top five already. I have Jalen Hurts projected at 736 yards and five and a half touchdowns as his medium projection. I think that's conservative, and that already puts him above Justin Herbert for the year in total fantasy points when you combine you his when you combine his like 3,900 passing yards and 22 touchdowns to go along with it. Yeah, and I would say you brought you bring that down to 3,500 yards because maybe he doesn't pass very well because he definitely he had flaws. We talked about it on that show. Go watch that show. But also the rushing touchdowns, that's where I think is the conservative part. I could easily see running seven plus. I mean, Kyler Murray just ran for 11, and I'm not even putting that on him, but you tell me he's running for seven plus, 700 plus yards, I would put seven plus touchdowns with that. And just the... The difference is that Herbert's going to be the starter all year long. Herbert's going to be good, but he's going to be good in the way that Matt Stafford and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers all have these like peak years and can pop up and be quarterback number four or quarterback number five. And maybe it's a little bit more with Herbert because of the potential rushing ability, but you think that they probably rein that in just a little bit. They don't want him out there running like Josh Allen because he doesn't need to. That's not a part necessarily of how they want that offense to work. At least in my, I, in my projection, I don't see that. So when I see someone like Hurts, the downside is most definitely there. I'm not saying he's going to outscore Justin Herbert, but there's a path for Jalen Hurts to be the number one fantasy quarterback, where I don't think that exists for Justin Herbert. Completely agree. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about rushing, too. Like, Daniel Jones ran for over 400 yards and just one touchdown last year. He could have had two. We all know that clip. But just that kind of running where you just mentioned is not Josh Allen, it's not Kyler Murray, or even Deshaun Watson, even Dak Prescott. Like, that kind of running, like, they're not getting plays called. They're not calling their own number that much at the goal line where you can really bank on the rushing touchdowns. Well, how about this? If Joe Burrow is healthy and 100% week one, 
does Joe Burrow outscore fantasy wise Justin Herbert this year? Uh, you know, I do have Joe Burrow as playing week one and playing 16 okay, games. Well, you know, 17. Let, let, let's work on a hypothetical here. Let's just let's work with the standard that we're doing this. Uh, and they play, they play, I know, I just fucking listen to me for a second. We're going <laughs> to play the hypothetical. We're going to project it out over 15 games. How, what's the percentage of time that Justin Herbert finishes as the better fantasy quarterback, assuming no injuries, no benching, anything like that, that everyone is 100% healthy? Herbert is what, a 55%, 60% like lean in that? I was going to go a little bit higher. I was going to say 60, 65, so not okay, that well, far off. Let, but let, I, I'd say two out of three times. Okay, let's call it 66.66667% that Herbert beats Burrow in fantasy scoring. The difference between drafting those guys right now, Herbert is going at pick number 46, and Burrow is going at pick 111. <laughs> I knew like you were going. Like, that, that's more than <laughs> that's double. Insane. Like, Well, and let's bring, get, can I bring another quarterback in this conversation? Because Is, is it Stafford? Or Watson? No. No, it's the rookie. They talk about talent coming out of college. And Trevor Lawrence, for everybody, like, he's the best since. Yes, this is the first time in a long time where you can actually say, yes, he is the best since. If Trevor Lawrence doesn't work in the NFL, just cancel evaluations. Cancel knowing anything about football. But Trevor Lawrence could outscore Joe Burrow. Like, I would say that's probably, like, more 50-50. But if you want to even put him in there, and I'd say what Trevor Lawrence is going after Joe Burrow, Yes, well after. See, so there you go. You telling me that Trevor Lawrence can't come have a rookie season with the weapons he has in Jacksonville under Irvin Meyer, with all the questions about that defense, he being able to stop anybody, and that they're going to have to score. And then you tell me that Justin Herbert's rookie season can't just be replicated by Trevor Lawrence, and I would say you're crazy because I think it's easily doable for him. Okay, well, let's talk about the receivers right now in Los Angeles. Keenan Allen, he was so good last year, but how <laughs> volume? How, it was, but is that volume going to be gone, especially with no Hunter Henry around? I, I don't know if it'll be 100% gone. I, you know, I have it a little bit lower in my projections. I don't know where your projections stand, uh, mostly because some of that's baking in Mike Williams being able to stay on the field, which is a big question. But let's you know, everybody's talking about Josh Palmer in the draft, mostly because the Chargers surprised a lot of people to take him as early as they did. But I think we're also forgetting that Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson, despite being where they were and drafts themselves and not being, you know, high end first and second day wide receivers showed enough last year that they're going to be in the conversation. Even if Palmer is a thing, uh, Mike Williams, assuming to be healthy, they brought in our uh, kryptonite or <laughs> not your kryptonite. It was something worse than that. He, our hated Jared cook is now there. And it's not like Jared cook is not going to involve getting targets at tight end. He's going to be a factor. So, I think Keenan Allen, just from a pure volume of how many times does that receiver see that kind of target? What, what was his target percentage last year? 31 or something ridiculous like that? Yeah, I actually, somewhere around. I actually think it's going to be right around that again this year. Do you? I, unless they just I, start I, throwing to Eckler more. <laughs> well, I think that's part of it. And then you get a healthy Eckler for the entire season. I was going to pull up my projections to see what my target percentage was for Keenan Allen. Do you have yours? Because yeah, I'm curious where yeah, we landed. Yeah, I have mine right in front of me. I have him at a conservative market share of 24%. And with that 24% market share of the targets on the Chargers, that would make him wide receiver number 12 and half point PPR. And what is the total what is the total targets equal out for you for that? Uh 142. <laughs> I'm just laughing. Cause did, did you do a decimal place on your target share? Yeah, it's 141.9. I just I rounded up so it doesn't. Sound no, no, no. Stupid. On your target share, on your target share percentage. I uh, know I made all the target share percentage uh, equal out with a zero. 
Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, I have 24.3 just ahead of you, which gives me a target of 145. So I'm just ahead of you. So it sounds like our projections are pretty similar uh, based on the inputs that we have in. But I think that's relatively conservative, to tell you the truth, because we know... I think it's are, reasonable. I, I, I do think it's reasonable, but I do think that we're missing, like when you just look at the bell curve of where the potential outcomes are going for this, his like top end 28, 29, 30, 31, 32% is much higher than a lot of even of the top end receivers based on this offense. Sure. I definitely don't agree, disagree with you there. And this thing is like Mike Williams doesn't stay healthy. Palmer's a rookie, doesn't connect early. You know, Jalen Guyton, and Tyron Johnson were just kind of things because of the opportunity. Like, there's a lot of opportunities here. I think the biggest one you mentioned, though, is the one that I come back to when I was looking at my target percentage for him. And I have Austin Eckler at 15.3, second on the team in target percentage. So I think that's the biggest factor here is Austin Eckler coming into play. Well, Keenan Allen's being drafted, pick number 32. That's wide receiver 10. I think that's fair, but I think that he's closer yep. to now that A.J. Brown has Julio on the other side, even D.K. Metcalf. His ceiling might not be as high as those guys, but I think when we look at the end of the year, his like normal range of outcomes is right along with those guys who are going 10 to 12 picks earlier than he is. So I think he's somewhat of a value. Would you draft any other of the Chargers receivers or just leave them be? <laughs> Uh, mostly because I mean, isn't Mike Williams borderline free at right now? Like they're all free. Anybody's all, all, yeah. all of them are free. But do you I, want then, them you either know, way? Like you're sitting in the last yeah. round, Mike Williams is on the board. You're like, oh, give me Mike Williams. I, I would take Mike Williams because his his only issue is just stay healthy. Part of it's his own fault. He just throws himself into the air. It's like, oh, screw it. I'm going to come down to earth and land on whatever body part I break this week. Uh, if <laughs> if he just got smarter about his health. In his own right, uh, you know, maybe you let one of those passes go and you live another day and it goes out of bounds. And I'm not saying like let lead to an interception, but you get my point here. Um, I would take my Mike Williams because it's still talent. And if he could stay healthy, which is a big ask, but if he could stay healthy, he clearly would be the number two on this team. And if Justin Herbert only doesn't even improve, just only replicates what he did last year and you give Mike Williams 110 targets, he'll finish inside the top 40 wide receivers. Okay, let's talk about Austin Eckler because I don't know how people feel about Eckler. I feel like those in the fantasy community, much higher than Eckler than people in real life. Because I'm seeing him go as running back number 10 off the board right now. And let's frame this discussion in the guise of half point PPR. So he doesn't get all of the value that you think that he's going to get. I don't want Austin Eckler touching the ball 25 times a game. I just don't. I don't even need him to be the goal line back. I just need him to get a few goal line touches here and there. But with the way that he projects out, if he stays healthy, with the amount of catches that he is going to bring in, even in half-point PPR, you can make a very compelling case that he and Elvin Kamara, Kamara is 1A, Eckler is 1B in the terms of that type of receiver, well behind Christian McCaffrey, but I think that Eckler is closer to Kamara than Kamara is to McCaffrey. I would definitely agree with what you said. I'm looking at how my projections spit out, which I feel like are conservative on Austin Eckler, and he's right there in the tier with Jonathan Taylor, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Nick Chubb, and then it's kind of a small drop-off to the next, actually a 10-point drop-off to the next section of running backs. Uh, he's actually sandwiched right in the middle. The Camara to Eckler that I have right now is 21 points. This is half-point PPR, 21 points, so it's significant for mine, but I think that's almost in my opinion, and this is why I always, when I do my projections, I go through myself and adjust some things. So you could say, 
I'm stupid when I change some things or I'm smart when I change some things. I feel like it's a little high for Kamara factoring in, even if it is Jameis Winston. So my point being is completely agree with you. I think Austin Eckler is one of the best values in the second round. Uh, that feels like a floor for him at RB9, uh, just because if he's healthy for the entire season, how do many receptions do I have him for 81? Probably going to get closer to 90 plus. The only other person alongside Christian McCaffrey that's going to catch 90 passes. And I have him for more receiving touchdowns than I have him for rushing touchdowns. Uh, I don't. I have him at nine rushing touchdowns, and I think that's a bit much. So I'm going to decrease the number of that down to six. And if I do that, even in a half point PPR, that brings him down to Aaron Jones, Saquon Barkley, and Zeke level in terms of overall fantasy points. Yeah, if I gave him nine rushing touchdowns, that would put him right on Kamara's heels. Actually, it would, it would two it would, points behind Kamara. Yeah. So I, I just I just think in terms of value, like if you're sitting at the one two turn which is essentially where he's going. And I don't know. It seems like there's going to be a lot of steam behind Cam Akers and he's going to rise. Or maybe people just prefer Chubb or Jonathan Taylor. But if you could go picks 12 and 13 and get Kamara, or not Kamara, sorry, Eckler and Cam Akers, and that's your one-two, you are probably going to win your league. I could, yeah, easily. Hey, you could do Eckler, Kelsey, and win your league. You could. I, I think Kelsey will be gone before that, though. Uh, yeah, I can see that in a lot of leagues, but yeah, Eckler at the turn. And here's, you know what the best part about Eckler? He loves fantasy. He's one of the ones that doesn't hate us. Sure. I mean, I don't really care how he feels as long as he's playing football <laughs> and is on the field and I'm good with him. No, I'm just saying it's a bonus. Maybe you, you tweet about how much you love him on Sunday evening after he goes off for a huge game and he retweets you. So, well, you know, you never know. Gee, we live two different lives, my friend. <laughs> I'm talking about the fans. I don't ever tweet at players. You know that. Here's the question. You have Eckler in front of Joe Mixon, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Not even close. Okay. Well, no, 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 because Joe Mixon's getting a lot of steam lately because he's never coming off the field. And I think that I'd still take Eckler every single time. In full point PPR, I have a 72-point difference between them. Uh, that's it, It's uh, a lot It's a lot less than that in half point. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know if it's quite as big, but I know it's a decent gap. I think that people forget that Joe Mixon, as much as he's a great running back, and he has been on the field a lot, there's been a lot of seasons where he's played really good and still only finished like RB10. I can make this next part pretty easy for who's the backup. Is it going to be Josh Kelly? I th I would put money on Josh Kelly, but I would also put money on the fact that it might not be a clear option the entire year. That's fair. Smelly Kelly's no good. Justin Jackson's okay. <laughs> so, like, it, it could be anyone. Well, else. they drafted Roundtree too. True. I mean, one of these guys, I don't think it's going to be like the primary ball handler between the tackles but one of these guys is going to get it might be a rotation of them that get like eight carries per game maybe a catch so i think there could be value well, wrapped up in one of them the issue becomes that if eckler goes down i don't think one of them just becomes the guy it just becomes a three-man rotation well and, and you, uh, not even just a three-man rotation but don't forget about uh gabe won't you be my neighbors stealing rushing touchdowns you gotta like that one come on pat <laughs> it's all right i thought his name was nabbers which is <laughs> Is it Neighbors? Nabbers? I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Neighbors. It, it just has one B. I know, but I could be wrong. It'll but be... then you can't make the joke, which you hate my, you, you hate all my nicknames anyway. That one's, hey, listen, if his name is Neighbors, then that's not, that one is not horrible. That's, that's one of your better ones. <laughs> not horrible. That's a win. <laughs> that's a huge win for you. Uh, tight end, you mentioned that awful Jared Cook is now with the Chargers. And our favorite fantasy player from the XFL, Parham. He got his dreams crushed by Jared Cook. Hence why Jared Cook is the worst. We were all excited to draft Parham. Do you think Parham's still better than Jared Cook and has used more? 
Mm, no. no, I think this is going to be a mess because you know what this tells me about Barham is not just that they signed Jared Cook. They also drafted Trey McKitty. Like, I, you don't bring in a free agent and draft a potential future tight end if you really think that Parham's the answer. So, uh, you know, yes, he was fun in the XFL. Yes, he's a monster. And we wanted and we had excitement and hope that, you know, he could be the surprise tight end. But this team's actions tell me that Parham's not the answer. Parham strikes me. Do you remember that Mark Bo Richter year from like 2001 <laughs> where he had like nine touchdowns on 24 catches or something? I could see Parham having a season like that. You could have said Robert Tanyan from last year. Yeah, but Tanyan was a bit more of a fixture than Bo Richter was. Bo Richter came from like the CFL, signed with the Chiefs and just started catching touchdowns. It's like that people didn't think he was a real player who was on the field and just left him <laughs> open in the end zone. <laughs> <laughs> who is the were you the one that say who's the one that's saying that that like the tight end position is there anything more than the tight end touchdown where it's just the guy standing in the end zone just waiting for the ball he's like not even moving he's just waiting for the touchdown and that's all he does that like that's a par him that's that kind of guy yeah but he's so athletic he's so huge just you think that if he could get all the coordination on the same page that he actually would be really good no, but there was a reason he was in the XFL and that this team, obviously, you know, we can have fun and want more and hope that players surprise us, but we also have to be realistic at the same time. And again, my biggest thing is I'm going to go back to nothing the Chargers have done have told me that Parham is the guy. If you're a fellow whose resting body temperature rivals that of Las Vegas pavement in mid-July, standard antiperspirants probably don't give you much relief. But before you resign yourself to a life of perpetual pit stains, know this. Duke Cannon Dry Ice Cooling Antiperspirant is made for guys who run uncomfortably hot. Its moisture and friction activated cooling system is formulated with menthol to give you an all-day sensation of standing under an air conditioner cranked to high, not a heat lamp stuck to broil. And it's available in refreshing menthol and eucalyptus and peppermint and musk scents. Dry ice uses activated charcoal to effectively combat sweat and stank and with the highest level of odor and wetness protection allowable you'll last longer in the heat and your t-shirts will too if your internal thermostat feels like it's perpetually set to sauna pick up a stick of duke cannon dry ice cooling antiperspirant it'll feel as refreshing as jumping naked into a frigid lake without the risk of frostbite to your undercarriage Visit DukeCannon.com and use promo code MAYO, M-A-Y-O, for 10% off your next order. A curated collection of Duke Cannon products are also available at select Target stores. Once again, DukeCannon.com, promo code MAYO, for 10% off your next order. Let's be honest, you're not getting as good a sleep as you need to be. Whether your problem is falling asleep, staying asleep, or just not feeling rested once you wake up, you're not alone. More than half of Americans report having trouble with getting enough sleep. I'm not American, but I can report that I don't get enough sleep, or I sleep too long, or can't get to sleep. But at Brickhouse Nutrition, our team of on-staff physicians is on a mission to get heads on pillows and would like to introduce Dreams Sleep Aid. By taking science-backed ingredients like melatonin and combining them with natural ingredients from the earth like valerian root or jujube fruit, Dreams is the perfect blend for the perfect sleep. So, go to BrickHouseSleep.com and get 15% off your first order at checkout with promo code MAYO. It's time to sleep like a brick. BrickHouseSleep.com, promo code MAYO for 15% off. 
So here's a fun team to figure out for fantasy. The Las Vegas Raiders returning Derek Carr at quarterback, unless somehow they trade for Aaron Rodgers. Probably not they going should. to happen. They should. Everyone should. If you're not the Packers and you're like not three other teams, you should trade for Aaron Rodgers. Over under well, win. Yeah, total, but I meant like <laughs> over under win. I meant total like of is, all the teams. Over under Sorry. win total is seven plus three forty to make the playoffs. Eighteen to one to win the division. Thirty three to one to win the AFC. Seventy to one to win the Super Bowl. Derek Carr. Is anyone doing it? Is it worth it? Is anybody doing what? Is are you mean are you are you going to the draft anybody on this team question? Yeah. I mean there there's a running back that we can draft kind of. But other outside Josh of Jacobs. I mean we can just make this a very easy discussion. Josh Jacobs I don't like but he will eventually become a value cuz everyone doesn't like him at this point. So there comes a breaking point <laughs> where you can take him. He is currently going right. as where are you at here Josh Jacobs? Well, he's still being drafted 16, as running back number 17? 13, 20th overall. Too high. That's a little bit too high. I was, I was 16, 17 would seem more reasonable. That's why. Yeah, I threw like those he's he's going there. ahead of Mixon, Dobbins, Swift, Montgomery, Flea Market, James Robinson, Chris Carson, Edwards Alaire. I'd probably rather have all of those guys instead of Josh Jacobs. I'd rather have Jacobs than James Robinson. And who was the one you said right before James Robinson? Miles Sanders. Hmm. It kind of feels like in the same boat. They talk about a team. We talked about it again on that show. Go watch that show. But the concerns about Sanders in the passing game. Yeah. And just, I I have him at 40 targets for Jacobs this year, which seems reasonable. He doesn't always catch all of those. He's a touchdown kind of maven. He's like that Ronnie Brown year with the Dolphins, where all he would really do is be like 20 for 67 and two touchdowns, which has value. It's just, I just don't, yes. unless, unless he gets used as a legitimate pass catcher, he's just never going to pay off the price. And it's not like people are playing standard leagues anymore. And then they bring in Kenyon Drake just to take away, I hate the Drake, is what everyone <laughs> is going to be saying. At least what Josh Jacobs well, should be saying this year. <laughs> Yeah, and you still have your boy, Rocket Richard, back there, who's going to be involved in passing it, tweeting out his own picture from camp. I don't think I've ever seen a player do that before. I mean, like, hey, look at me that everybody's talking about. Um, but there's the passing game concern is always going to be there with Josh Jacobs. Uh, 40, I was going to say, even might be high uh, with what this team is looking like just because they just don't want to use him. You bring it up time and again that everybody was super excited after week one last year. Finally, they're unleashing Jacobs in the passing game. And I was like, well, that was fun. We're not doing that ever again. Um, in the passing game, we know Darren Waller, but I do think there's value right now because this is a team where almost every single wide receiver, like I think almost all of them are in undrafted to close to undrafted status. Uh, you know how I feel about Henry Ruggs. The fact that I think people are hating on him too much for what happened last year. He was not supposed to be the outside wide receiver. He's not equipped to be an outside wide receiver drawing number one coverage. He needs to be playing at least half the time in the slot. Uh, similar to a Tyreek Hill. He's not Tyreek Hill, but a Cole Beasley. He could be Cole Beasley. That's fine. You know, wide receiver three. Great. Uh, I think he's going to be in a better position. Also, because I think one of the more overlooked and underrated sightings who could lead this team and be their number one wide receiver. John Brown. And if you told me it, thank you. Like yeah. nobody wants to talk about John Brown. Wherever John Brown goes, John Brown is good. Draft John Brown. Because John Brown is good, period. Uh, so I think you can see John Brown help Henry Ruggs become relevant. Uh, the one that I actually have very little you know, value or confidence in is Brian Edwards, just because I thought he needed time to develop in the NFL. And now you bring in John Brown, and I just don't even see the snaps necessarily there for Brian Edwards, unless Ruggs completely fails and then Edwards steps into that role. Oh, man, there's like ex-Ravens receivers on this team. You got Willie, the need for Sneed. 
He's on this team now. Kaelin, Keelan Doss is on this team. C. Doss Zay, run. Zay Jones is on the team. Yeah, former Bill. Marcel Eightman, who was my guy for one week last year when he was the I only... Think, is old, he still old, there? Or did they get rid of him? I believe he's still there. Let me let me go check out their depth chart. He's like wide receiver eight. No, or I, like I, you're that. probably right. Oh, yeah, he's right Don't there. Don't forget about that... that that undrafted free agent, either, too. Dylan Stoner. Yeah, Dylan Stoner's not a bad name. Trey Quinn, former Washington footballer, Trey Quinn. And we didn't even talk about Hunter Trey Renfro. Trey Quinn had like two weeks of relevancy. Oh, yeah. I mean, nine, 90s teen heartthrob, Hunter Renfro. He's still on this team. Like, I would just <laughs> honestly roll the dice on John Brown because John Brown is good. And, like, this is why I talk about that Mike Williams question, where if you're sitting there in the last round and Mike Williams is available, well, John Brown is going to be available, too. I'd rather have John Brown. Well, I would double down on that as well. Okay. So hence, we're not drafting Mike Williams then. Because we'll draft John Brown instead. Oh, no. You could take John Brown and Mike Williams. But you only have one pick. Picks. You're in the last round. You have one more pick left. Who are you taking? Okay. John Brown. Yeah. Waller, top three, tight end. That That's easy enough. This, this team's just so weird. Is Kenyon Drake a value on this team, depending mm. on where he goes? Because if you run all like the simulations over and over at how many times in the season, if Jacobs gets hurt, Drake seems like he right. would have exceptional value. That's what I was going to say is if we, it's an injury, but so you kind of go into the Latavius Murray is you really can't start Latavius Murray in any given week. I would not be looking to start Kenyon Drake in any given week. What I'd be looking to do is just to hold on to him because I feel like right now I have with both them healthy. I have Josh Jacobs projected to be running back number 22 in half point PPR. I think that if you got rid of Josh Jacobs from the equation on a points-per-game basis, Drake would be like a borderline top 10 running back those weeks. Mm, I put him a little bit lower, but I'm with you. And that that's what I was going to get to. Is the, That's why I brought up Latavius Murray, is because like Drake, you're not drafting him to start any given week. But it's the upside is the fact that how many running backs out there, there's only a handful, like five maybe, that you list to say, oh, wow, if the lead person gets hurt, we have a potential fringe, at least fringe, RB1 on our hands because you could say Drake, you could say Mary, obviously, and then you throw in like Tony Pollard and a few others, but there's not really more than five or six guys that are out there. There's a lot of situations you just brought up the Chargers. Granted, they're at the other end of the spectrum altogether, but there's a lot of backfields that kind of hover even in the middle where it's going to be two guys replacing one versus one guy just stepping into that role. Yeah, so essentially it's draft Darren Waller for sure, draft Josh Jacobs <laughs> later on if you can get him so you're probably not going to draft him then take a flyer on john brown if Kenyon drake slips towards like the uh, 12th round 11th round something like that take him then and it's funny because i don't hate the raiders i actually think they're like an all right team it's just they're not a good fantasy team mm, that's the problem yeah they're not they, they, they have some similar a lot of similarities to the detroit lions honestly i mean they're sort of like the minor league version of like if Derek carr was really good you could see them being like how we kind of look at the Chiefs offense. Like, hey, here are the three guys you need to own. And then everyone else is kind of like, eh, probably not. And <laughs> this team is there's one guy you want to own and everyone else is like, eh. <laughs> probably not. Yeah, that's safe. That's a good comparison as well. Yeah. Last team. And this one's in flux because it's the Denver Broncos. Do we think that Aaron Rodgers is going there? I guess is the number one question because their win total is eight and a half right now. I would say if Aaron Rodgers is going anywhere, it's the Broncos. It's going to come down to Aaron Rodgers. It's going to come down to, is he going to keep his heels dug into the ground with the Packers? And if so, then yeah, I would say the Broncos. 
Okay, so let's address this like Aaron Rodgers is not their quarterback, that it will either be Drew Locke or <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater. I don't know how you can run a team, and I mean, I don't care if they traded for Teddy Bridgewater, but now you're just looking at Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater and not play Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> because the difference, that, like, I understand, and I don't disagree with you. The difference is, and you know, anybody who's read when I've talked about Locke knows that I'm not a Locke fan, but here's where it comes down to is why you do that is you're hoping that this clicks this year and you found a franchise quarterback who just everything went wrong quote unquote i'm just trying to speak into existence of why you would believe this is everything went wrong the first two years there's weapons around him he's got a year to really get under and i even i forget who it was but somebody threw out the stupid josh allen third year thing like you and i have talked about before josh allen is the anomaly he's not the regular that's what happens all the time. Yeah, Situation. but not I think people element. overlooked that Josh Allen was like pretty good for the first two years too, not dog shit. Right, right. He was <laughs> true, but I think they look at, what they look at is like completion percentages and on target percentages and accuracy, all that type of stuff. And that, I think that's where people try to make these leaps and comparisons with Josh Allen is that you can become so much more of an accurate passer and you can't get the ball on target, all that type of stuff. So anyway, point B is Teddy Bridgewater. You know who you have in Teddy Bridgewater. You know he's not ideally your starting quarterback but he's one of the best backups in the league and he can get you through like he can get you to uh drew lock hopefully we found something we uncovered what unlocks drew lock and i think that's why you turn to drew lock you turn to teddy just it, you the only way you go teddy is if lock is completely nothing which well, is a realistic possibility yeah th this is the bear situation from last year all over again and that's a very good parallel like, just start Teddy Bridgewater. And they're not, they have a good defense. They have a great core of players on the offensive side of the ball. Just go with your best option and try to win games. Like, I don't see why that's so hard. Absolutely. Yeah, because people don't, it's your, you can kind of like compare it to your thing with fantasy. They don't want to be the fifth best, they want to go for number one. Yeah, he's got the higher ceiling. It, in, but but they're, they're just diluting themselves with the sunk cost fallacy at this point. Like, you have a guy who's no good. So stop playing them. Easy peasy. You made your team a lot better. <laughs> it, arguably, yes. Wide receivers on this team. Cortland Sutton is returning. He is being drafted at wide receiver number 32 at the moment. Judge, Jerry, Judy, Doug Judy is going as wide receiver number 44, 106th overall. Outside of that, you got Tim Patrick uh, going undrafted, but at uh, number 84 at wide receiver. Which one of these guys has the most value, and do they all kind of have value based on how this team is constructed? Yeah, I'd say Sutton and Judy both have tied the most value because of where they're going. Sutton, yeah, it's coming off a major injury, but we know Sutton has top 20 ability, period. He's extremely talented as a wide receiver. Remember all the excitement everybody had for Sutton last year. Yes, it's an injury. Yes, we don't know how he looks yet. Uh, the quarterback play doesn't help him a ton, but similar to Allen Robinson, Allen Robinson has been putting up wide receiver one numbers year after year after year after year with terrible quarterbacks. Terrible quarterback doesn't mean you can't put up numbers. Uh, there is the pushback. Yes, the defense is good enough that they're not going to have to fling it 600 times this year. So you have Sutton and Judy, but because Sutton's going where he is, that's a discount value based off his injury with upside for more. Jerry Judy essentially finished where his ADP is from last year as a rookie, similar to Henry Ruggs, who was thrust into being the number one attention wide receiver getting, playing only outside wide receiver who will do better inside, do better with Cortland Sutton playing across from him. 
and that alone will help Judy where I think last year is his floor. I actually put, I included Judy in my top 10 breakout wide receivers for 2021. So at those costs for both of them, I think they're both great values right now. He all, Judy also seemed to be playing through massive injuries last year. He looked noticeably yeah, yeah. slower some weeks than in others. He was, yeah, he was not a hundred percent for a good point, good point of the year. And if you look at it too, did he even catch half of his passes last year? I mean, he that, dropped a good amount of him too. That was partly on him. He did. So he has the part that he dropped some, and then he has Drew Locke throwing him the ball, which are like nowhere near him. So that that's not a great time. <laughs> that's true. Let's see. What is, I want to say, I, I just pulled it. He didn't even, no, he didn't even catch half of his targets. 113 and only caught 52. <laughs> uh, I would go, I think Jerry Judy is the value here. He is the one that I would be primarily targeting. I don't think Tim Patrick is bad, though. I think Tim Patrick is a good player. And if they do decide to run three wide receiver sets in this offense, then I could see him some getting some, some, some extra love here. Especially if mm, Teddy plays. I just don't, I, I don't think so for two reasons. One is, with Sutton back, I don't know that you get a third wide receiver because Noah Fant's still going to be involved. I think those are your top three. And then KJ, KJ Hamler is an extremely talented slot wide receiver, which I think you know could make the push for the number three wide receiver on this team and kind of boot Tim Patrick to number four, which number four would be com- completely irrelevant. Okay, let's go to the running backs. This was the question of the episode, Jake. You've already given your <laughs> breakdown of it all. Smash the like button to the episode. Tell me where you think Javante Williams is going to go what, where he's going to finish at running back this season. And you kind of mentioned it. There's these reports that he's just going to be the guy from week one. If that's the case, he's the top 20 running back for sure, maybe even higher. But what's a realistic scenario with Melvin Gordon still lingering around here? Melvin Gordon beat his DUI, so he's no longer going to be suspended. Yeah, and Melvin Gordon also had one of his best argue on a per-touch basis seasons last year for everybody that used to say Melvin Gordon never gets over four yards per carry because I think he did it one year in his career before last year. He looked, it's not like Melvin Gordon's awful. Melvin Gordon, no. Is he a top 10 running back? Absolutely not. But Melvin Gordon's not terrible in the fact that if he does decide to show up, stops this, whatever's going on, whether it's a holdout while he's disgruntled, whatever it might be, week one split, I would still say the odds are like a 60-40 in his favor. And obviously it's not like maybe 60 with a 35 and somebody else sprinkled it. But everybody understands the point there. I still think Melvin Gordon starts out as the lead. Worst case, 50-50 before Javante Williams does take over. I just don't know that if Melvin... Actually, I don't. I don't think that if Melvin Gordon is out there playing on this team, practicing and ready for week one, that it's going to be Javante Williams touching the ball 65, 70% of the time. I'm really curious to see how this breaks down in terms of ADP. We don't have any sort of draft data from the time that we're talking about this that reflects that Williams could be the number one guy in Denver and being the starter. Because before the news ended up coming out, Melvin Gordon was being drafted at running back number 24, 57th overall. Williams was being drafted at running back number 44, 121 overall, which is a fantastic value whether he was the backup or not, thinking that maybe he could win the job as the season went along. I just don't think that's a realistic ADP anymore. Like, he's not going to go behind J.D. McKissick anymore. No. he would. I I thought you were going to mention even a better name than that. I was going to see where he went in my draft last night just to kind of give you an idea. So, let's see. Javante, he went in round five. Jesus. So, there you go. Right, Right in between... Travis Etienne, Chase Edmonds, and Michael Carter in that same group. Okay. And just on average, before basically two days ago, he was going as pick number 121, so in the 11th round. 
Yeah, so he was pick 59. So there you go. Yeah, so other running backs going in that range right now. I mean, that's where Melvin, basically he just has taken the Melvin Gordon spot. They've swapped. Yeah. And that would be fine if we knew Melvin Gordon was already definitively RB2 on this depth chart. But I don't think we can say that yet. And Look, some of it might be value, but it was a value. That's the biggest point you were making. It was a value because you were getting him at a discount where he could surprise us and be the week one starter with Melvin Gordon number two and have all that happen. Or maybe even Melvin Gordon got hurt. And then we're talking, like you said, the 24 is too low. But now drafting as RB24, now he essentially has to at least split the backfield in week one. So I don't know that I'm paying that price as much as I am a Williams fan as much as anybody else. Last one, Noah Fant, good receiver, not a great blocker, which is yes. great for tight end fantasy purposes. He's kind of like Evan Ingram in a weird way, except he doesn't get the hype that Evan Ingram does. I actually haven't projected as tight end number six for the season. He's being drafted at tight end number 13. If he, He's not someone I want to reach on by any means because you know tight end six through tight end 14 isn't separated by all that much. You tweak a few touchdowns here and there, and it throws people all over the board. I still think that unless you get an elite guy at tight end, you wait. But it does seem like he is falling down drafts that if he goes at, I mean, tight end number 13, tight end number 12 in that range where he's like a final three-round pick, he could be your starter week one, no problem. Yeah, and if he's going in that round or in that range too, that absolutely. I actually have him at tight end eight, so I'm kind of right there with you, just a little bit lower, but not by much. Uh, to the point being is, if Noah Fant I added one touchdown, he probably leapfrogs those guys and finishes at tight end six. So yeah, I think for where he's going, certainly reasonable. I, I just mentioned it too, and when I said what about my concern about Tim Patrick, is I think Noah Fant is the number three in target share. So that's what it comes down to is if you can get semi competent play. If it is Teddy. Teddy just made three wide receivers have top 30 value at the wide receiver position. If Fant is the three instead of a wide receiver and it's Sutton, Judy, and Fant, Fant could easily be top 10 if those are the top three weapons. He's someone that you would want to have on your team, but you don't want to pay, you want to pay a discount for. Like, don't pay whatever yes. full price is. If you get him at 75% off, he's your guy. Yeah, same with... You know, Tanyan being able to repeat those touchdowns. Listen, Tanyan, basically Tanyan, Higby, Goddard, Ingram, Hawkinson, Logan Thomas, Hooper, Irv Smith, Blake Jarwin, Noah Fant, whichever one just presents themselves as the best discount, take that one. Yeah, just keep waiting. I almost took Evan Ingram last night for that. But then I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to do Cole Komet just because I'm so sick of Evan Ingram. So welcome to Jimmy Graham season. Uh, no, Jimmy Graham, your, your time is done, man. We're pushing you aside. Finally. Right. I know it's, but that all jokes aside, that was a pure, I'm going for upside is like where you, you talk about this all the time is painting these scenarios, paying the scenario where he does step past because Jimmy Graham is just toast at this point and becomes the number three target in the bears passing game. Whereas Evan Ingram, even if, I mean, you need multiple injuries now for him to get to number three, that will do it. On the Pat Mayo Experience, fantasy football rankings 2021 of the AFC West. You want to check out the other divisions? Hit the description, smash the like button to the video, and subscribe to Mayo Media Network. If you want a spot in the Scott Fishbowl, check out my Twitter at the PME, and you can find out how to do that. Shockingly enough, it's about leaving a rating and review on the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast, a podcast which you should most definitely download. Okay? For Jake, I'm Pat. We'll see you next time. Pat Mayo Experience! 
Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.